This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay on Friday, February the 5th, as we head into what could be a rather wintry weekend. More on that in a bit, but first... Staff working at a COVID testing site in Kent have been sent warning letters after reports of drug-taking illicit sex and fake test results. The revelations have emerged after the Kent Online podcast was shown the letter given to workers at the Manston site by security contractor RightGuard. It says senior management have been made aware of a number of incidents and allegations and in recent days two members of staff were searched and dismissed after being found in possession of drugs. Well, one worker has decided to speak out. We've disguised his voice to protect his identity. Both nights, everyone's, a lot of people smoking marijuana. Um, obviously participating in other drugs, recreational drugs. We've had searches, some people getting searched, um, going in, but that's very, very, very recent. I've heard that a member of staff had sex in one of the containers. Obviously, there's not many women on site, so... I've not been at any training whatsoever. Down uh, to the point of don't even know where a fire escape or muster point would be. Uh, I just got my interview, got my time shift, and went to start shift and got told I've got my uh, PPE and. The site was set up to swab lorry drivers just before Christmas after French authorities insisted on them having a negative COVID result before entering the country. Now, the letter also contains a warning about some drivers turning up with fake COVID test results and reminds staff that hauliers must be tested on site, even if they show results from elsewhere. Right Guard Director Tony Smith has responded today and says it's down to the due diligence of his checkpoint staff that the fake papers were found and he insists they're running a huge operation which to date has been very successful. He adds they're working closely with HMRC, Kent Police and government bodies and goes on to say that it is a professional operation often working in difficult conditions and they're working hard to limit the impact on the community. The Department for Transport has also been contacted today for a response. Kent Online reports. So an update on the weather we're expecting then and forecasters are warning temperatures could drop by about 10 degrees between now and Monday and there's a strong chance we're going to get some snow. A yellow weather warning comes into force at midnight and that's followed by a more severe amber warning on Sunday. Although it's not exactly clear where the heaviest snow will fall, there's a chance we could see up to 15 centimetres of it on the Kent Downs. We will, of course, keep you updated across the weekend. Head to Kent Online co.uk and tune into our sister radio station KMFM. Covid news now and door-to-door testing in a part of Maidstone has been completed. 10,000 people were contacted after a case of the South African variant was discovered in the ME15 area. More than 300 police officers, firefighters and search and rescue crews have been delivering the kits this week. Tests will be sent off to a lab for analysis to see if it's spread in the community. Meantime, a study shows the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine is effective against the coronavirus variant that was first found in Kent. It's the strand which is more transmittable and has been blamed on fueling the second wave of the virus in the UK. Researchers say the vaccine may lead to a reduction in transmission as well as serious symptoms when it comes to the mutation. 
More than 60% of Kent's top four priority groups have been vaccinated against COVID-19. Figures from NHS England show nearly 260,000 people had received their first dose by the end of January. It's estimated 411,000 people in the county fall into the top four groups. And we're going to be asked to bring along our own pen or pencil with us when we vote in May's local elections. The government has confirmed today that the votes will still go ahead, but measures are being introduced to reduce the risk of coronavirus spreading. Now, ballots are going to be held for Kent County Council, the Police and Crime Commissioner and Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells District Councils. Anyone who's forced to self-isolate will be allowed an emergency proxy vote at short notice. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. It's a week since a fire broke out at an army barracks in Folkestone being used to house asylum seekers. And now there's yet another call for the site to be evacuated immediately. There's been a coronavirus outbreak at Napier Barracks, which is being used to house around 400 men. Dr Jill O'Leary from the Helen Bamba Foundation has been giving evidence to MPs on the Home Affairs Select Committee after speaking to residents. On the 25th of January, as we knew it, 120 out of the 390 residents there had tested positive for COVID, um, which is understandably extremely concerning. Um, Some of those residents have had the opportunity to move out of the barracks into more suitable accommodation accommodation whereby they would be able to safely self-isolate. But as we speak today, there are still many people who have tested positive for COVID-19 who are sharing close quarters with people who are not um, currently unwell with COVID. As we understand it, both Napier and Penali Barracks are not um, COVID compliant and we're we would say that from a public health perspective um, that the practice of placing people in barracks during a pandemic is, is unacceptable. Um, we're aware that numerous people have been transferred into the barracks from around the country and um, areas, local authority areas where there have been very, very high rates of infection. They were then moved into the barracks at very little notice and then not given any opportunity to self-isolate before sharing dorms with up to 28 other people in them. Um, Furthermore, um, there aren't any adequate facilities on site for people to self-isolate should they develop symptoms. Um, This has created, as you'd understand, an unacceptable risk for both the residents and the staff. Um, And the outbreak in Napier Barracks has a massive implication for transmission to the wider community also. I spoke to a resident um, of the Napier Barracks. I did a remote clinical assessment on him. because he was displaying symptoms of COVID-19 but hadn't been able to access the result of his test. Um, So he was sharing a dormitory with up to 28 other people, one of whom had a confirmed positive test, was advised to go back into the dorm with the same people, wasn't able to self-isolate. Some of the residents were so frightened that they slept in the dorm with the door open to allow for ventilation, which you can imagine how that would feel in January. Um, And some of the residents have opted to sleep outside with with some duvets rather than share the dorms. Now, unsurprisingly, the man that I spoke to on the phone later developed symptoms consistent with COVID-19. The Home Office has always insisted the facility is safe and COVID compliant. A stalker who crept into a woman's bedroom in Thanet and filmed her as she slept has avoided jail. Barry Parnell followed his victim for three months and assaulted her when she confronted him about footage she found on a phone which he hid in her car. The 42-year-old, who doesn't have a permanent address, was arrested three times before being remanded in custody. He's now been given a suspended sentence and a restraining order. 
14-year-old boy has been charged after a shop worker was threatened with a knife during a robbery in Strood. The teenager is accused of targeting a newsagent in Carnation Road last November. He's due to appear at youth court next month. Plans to create what's known as a Thames free port in the river near Gravesend have been officially submitted to the government. The people behind the idea say it'll create 25,000 jobs and bring £400 million in investment to the area. Now it's going to involve London Gateway the Port of Tilbury and Ford's Dagenham engine plant. And on the Monday's podcast, we'll hear from the lady who's heading up the project. Kent Online reports. There's going to be another increase to the police part of our council tax to help pay for more officers in Kent. The county's crime commissioner has had plans for his budget approved. It means the bill will go up by £1.25 a month or £15 a year for an average property in the Band D area. Matthew Scott says there's a lot of public support. Kent has more police officers than at any point in its history thanks to the budgets that I have delivered. And now we'll be recruiting another 145 police officers in the next year. This will also mean that since my election, Kent will have 788 more police. Southeastern trains won't be running between Tunbridge Wells and Tunbridge for another two weeks. Network Rail says after a landslip on Monday, work is needed to protect the railway along a stretch of cutting. That's where the line is cut deep into clay in the hillside. It's due to reopen on the 20th of this month. Meantime, part of the M20 in Ashford is going to be closed overnight for three weeks. The coastbound stretch between junctions 9 and 10A will be shut between 8 in the evening and 6 in the morning from Monday. It's so resurfacing and stud replacement work can be carried out. Now, a Kent teenager is urging other young people not to isolate themselves more than they already are and to get help if they're struggling with lockdown. With many children learning from home and not seeing their friends, there are real concerns they could have problems socialising when things start to get back to normal. CJ lives in Tunbridge and started college just before the second lockdown. I've been chatting to them. Lockdown number one was boring. I had night much to do because I had no class. So I think I was going from year 11 to year 12. Lockdown number two is just a month. So I just stay in contact with friends. The third one's been the hardest because I'd moved to a new school. I'd only made one friend and I had no friends from my secondary school. So I'm just relying on my one new friend and my boyfriend for support and the youth groups. That's why I had to start come back in again because it's like, oh yeah, I get this group once a week. I get to talk to people that I don't live with. Wow. How do you think it's been for most young people? Has it, has it been a particularly difficult time the past 12 months? I've done a survey for this for an unrelated topic, but people are just very lonely and they have not many people their age to talk to or they're just struggling with sleep patterns. That's a very big problem that's come up. People are like, what's a sleep schedule? And I'm like, oh yeah, I can relate to that one. But I think young people are struggling so much because of this because they're just on their own and you mentioned how nice it is to talk to people who aren't you know in your family because ordinarily as you say you'd be going to college every day you've been you'd be socializing with so many different people how has learning online kind of influenced that i mean i see my own daughter sat in front of a screen all day doing lessons and you know they don't really need to talk very much is that what you've experienced i come out a lesson early for this today and like it was the first time I was like oh yeah I'm gonna go do a news interview that's the first time the whole class had actually spoken to each other that whole lesson and so everyone's like wow what's going on and I explained and everyone's asked those questions 
it's the first time anyone had spoke to anyone. Like my sociology class was just completely silent and two was all talking about this. So online school, no, you don't really talk to anyone unless you're in a breakout room and that's for like five minutes questioning what we actually meant to be doing here and then just getting kicked back into the main meeting where you just go on mute turn your camera off be quiet yeah it's it's it is strange i mean do you think you when this eventually ends when we can start to lead whatever will be a normal life again i mean what what do you think it's going to be like for young people coming out of this they're going to struggle on how to socialize because there's not a mute button in real life. You can't just go on mute and say something in real life. So I think there's going to be a lot of support needed for like how to socialise with people again and stuff like that. So you've got an awful lot of support from Head Start. You're working with them. You're doing a fantastic job. What sort of things would you recommend for other young people to do if, if they do start after lockdown to, to struggle with things like that? There's what Head Start's website, Mood Spark, which has loads of useful information on. And if not, the youth centre does a, a sort of meetings, things with email in, they can like talk to you and you have like a one-to-one. -one. There's always COOF, which you can talk to someone online and get support with. But the main thing is don't be afraid to reach out to people if you do need support. Don't be ashamed. It's like, oh yeah, that is just me. There's loads of young people who do need support and are going to struggle coming out of lockdown. Is mental health become becoming less of a taboo subject? Because kind of back in the day, maybe you were just told to get on with it and, and stop making a fuss. <laughs> Do you think now we're much more accepting that mental health needs to be looked after as much as our physical health? Not really. For young people, fine. Like you go to a school, you get referred to your school counsellor, your school counsellor will see you for like two months and then you'll just get left on your own again. When you get to an adulthood, you're kind of just chucked into a pool of sharks and no one really helps you. So that's why I think it's really useful to help young people before it can evolve to like the adult stage and where it's really bad. Teach the young people coping mechanisms while they're younger, healthy coping mechanisms, before they get to an adult and not know what to do and just feel like they've been left in the sea of sharks and like struggling. Now CJ has been speaking as part of Children's Mental Health Week and works with Head Start Kent to mentor other young people. We've done a number of stories throughout the week on children's mental health. Just scroll on kentonline.co.uk to find them. They all have links to where you can get help and support. And also at Kent Online you can see some pretty incredible images of Folkestone's multi-million pound seafront development as it takes shape. New Bird's eye images have been captured from one of the two tower cranes in place at the construction site, which is right on the beach. Work to build a mix of 84 luxury flats and townhouses got underway last year. Three floors of the first apartment block are now in place. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham welcome Lincoln City to Priestfield tonight. The game is actually on the telly and sees the Jills look to extend their unbeaten run to five games. They're currently 13th in League One while the visitors are pushing for automatic promotion up in second. We've been catching up with striker Verdane Oliver. Really good, really bubbly. Um, I think we, we've, hit, like you said, we've hit a good run of form um, leading into a very big game. Uh, obviously, we know Lincoln is going to be a tough opposition. But we, we're, we're really we're really good at the minute. Um, I think everything down to our intensity, our style of play, everything we've been we've kind of been going into games has just been just been perfect. Really, we've we've <clears throat> we found a real good run of form. Yeah, I think obviously new additions always do kind of shake things up a bit. Um, you, see, you always see um, sometimes it's not always for the good. Sometimes it can can have a, a hindrance on the team. But for us. I think the additions we've brought in have been really good. Um, I think that's no discredit to the, the players that were here before, but I just think that the, 
the additions that we've made probably suit the way um, and style of football we we kind of we, we kind of play. Um, the kind of likes of Oli um, in there is you can see he's a real number ten. I think we lacked that before um, when playing. It was always kind of putting someone in there that wasn't necessarily their strongest position. Um, but the likes of him coming in and Callum's done really well, set it in really well, and obviously Kundi's done brilliant coming in at centre half. So I think we just made some really good additions at a real vital time. To be done. Kickoff tonight is at six. Apologies if you're already watching the game, but don't forget you can tune in to KMFM tomorrow morning for reaction to the result. And in cricket, details of more fixtures for the new season have been released today. Kent will welcome Hampshire to the Spitfire Ground in Canterbury for their opening match in the T20 Blast on the 9th of June. They'll begin their one-day cup campaign at home to Durham at Beckenham on the 22nd of July. The cricket board say they're working on plans to safely welcome back fans this summer. Well, that's it for today. Thanks ever so much for listening and hope you have a really good weekend. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app, which will give you access to all of KM Group's newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.